Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome everybody back to The Basement Binge here at another episode. My name is Harrison, your host. And a big special welcome to a lot of those listeners that have found the show and come over from either the Mandalorian episodes or Verbal Dilemma's Black Panther episode where um, she mentioned the podcast and they're always just super nice of her. Anyway, if you're new here because of one of those things or something else, thanks for being here. Thanks for giving The Basement Binge a try and coming back. For another episode. I appreciate you being here. If you're a return listener, I appreciate you as well. Um, let's get into it. Um, this is an episode on another great Hal Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film, Hal's Moving Castle. And, you know, sadly, I've noticed animation isn't as largely as received. It's, it's not received as much as the other shows. So if you're one of the fewer people who are listening to it, thank you. I appreciate it. These are powerful films that I care a lot about that I really love. Animation is something that I love. It's not a genre, but I love it. And so I'm excited to talk about it. I appreciate you guys enjoying the show, giving it a chance. So thank you for being here. Anyway, let's get on to it. Let's start the episode. Two cents. This is two minutes. I don't know why I would say it's not two minutes more. This is where I just kind of give my knee-jerk reaction to the film. It's spoiler-free, totally spoiler-free. So if you haven't seen the film, it's okay to listen. But yeah, just kind of my knee-jerk initial reaction to the film. Just anything I want to say, it's spoiler-free. Followed up by binge, or not binge points, excuse me. Followed up by pick your poison, which is the rating scale here at the basement binge. And then the spoiler wall will drop and we'll get into the spoiler. So again, if you haven't seen the film, Feel free to listen right along. I'll let you know when the spoilers are coming. Anyway, on to Two Cents. So, like I mentioned, this is another great Miyazaki movie. And I was really excited to get back into his work. And, well, not get back in, but continue along with it. I saw Princess Mononoke a while ago. That was the first film I ever saw. And then bought some others, totally blind, because they were on sale. The Blu-rays were. I got Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, Spirited Away, of course, and then Howl's Moving Castle just because um, Nausicaa was just on a great deal and I heard 
cool things about the animation and then Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, I just heard them kind of associated the most with Hal Miyazaki and his reputation. Anyway, so I was just excited to get into it. I had no idea what it was about, but I was very, very excited. And then on the Blu-ray that I own, it has the English cast listed. Um, and I was really impressed with the big names I saw. So I was just very, very excited. I had no idea what it about. So the, the, it starts, and from that opening scene, you're right at home with everything that you love about Miyazaki. The animation is beautiful. Um, the score is also beautiful. The sound design is incredible. The voice acting is top-notch. There's a strong female lead. It's a beautiful story and world to explore. It's touching. It's just something you want to be a part of because it's so inviting and, and warm and welcoming. And it's just a, a, a lot of fun. Um, but to be totally honest, there, this particular film is not something that I'm as passionate or I'm not as connected to personally as much. I, I don't know. I feel like with both Nausicaa and Spirit Away, there was something that I just had like a deep excitement to express, like a, a very, very burning passion within myself and it's not to say that this film isn't bad at all i have nothing negative to say about it it's amazing the story is beautiful there's lots of things that i love it's it's very touching and very powerful but with my own personal experiences in life it doesn't a hundred percent resonate with me and so that excitement just it's not it's a it's, I don't want to say this not there because it is, but it's a different type of enjoyment, a different type of excitement I get out of this one because I feel like Howl's Moving Castle is just a whole lot of fun. It's a it's a fantastical story with magic and wizards, and it's beautiful to look at, and it is just a lot of fun, and and the cast is a lot of fun, and there's so many reasons to enjoy this, um, and that's kind of where I got the most excitement out of it was just the, the beautiful entertainment that it was. Although the themes are very, very strong, they didn't resonate with me personally, so I was able to just enjoy all the other wonderful things about it. So, yeah, th this film is based on a book by the same name written by Diane Wynne-Jones from the United Kingdom. It was originally released in 1986. Apparently, she's a really famous author in the UK. Um, she was like a best-selling writer for children books and teenage books young adult books so very very talented writer obviously if you've seen the film or or familiar with the story at all she's very creative um creates a great world and a great story and, and wonderful characters that are a lot of fun so i haven't read the book i've done a lot of research about it though um i had no idea it was based on a book until the credits started at the beginning of the film so that was exciting a, a lot of fun to research and watch interviews about but like i said it's just a, a fun world with a lot of heart and it's great fun to watch um, if you're interested, it's on HBO Max here in the U.S. and it's on Netflix everywhere else, I believe. Um, so if you got either of those, those things, there you go. That's a great way to watch it. So those are your binge points. Very, very quick. Very kind of concise. It was just a lot of fun. It, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It, it was Miyazaki doing what he does best. He had all those skills just tuned to make something fun make something great so on to pick your poison this is the rating scale here at the basement binge so instead of five stars or out of ten or a percentage or whatever the rating has to do with how we would interact or treat the film the excitement or or response to the film after having seen it bottom of the list very self-explanatory never watch again that's the worst film or worst rating that a film come yet it's yet to be given to any film on the basement bench but we'll get there eventually 
Um, above that is to stream it. If it's on a streaming service you were already subscribed to and you were kind of mindlessly looking for something to watch and you happen to see it, you turn it on. Um, kind of just fill that void of entertainment. Above that is rent. You'd be willing to pay a few dollars here and there to watch it on a spur of the moment or in a specific mood. And then above that is to buy it. Spend, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 bucks on it. Watch as much as you want. Share with people, you know, have a lasting connection to it. So if it isn't already obvious from my love for Howie Miyazaki, it is a buy. It is a film that I own. I bought it without seeing the film at all, like I mentioned, because of the love and trust I have for Miyazaki. Every, everything he makes, I adore. I've, And I know that there's so much more that I haven't even gotten into, but I can so confidently do that because I just, it's so easy to love. And even in this situation where the story isn't so personal to me, so impactful, like maybe Spirited Away was, it's just, it's a wonderful story that I'd love to revisit. And I already want to watch it again. And I already want to have fun in that world. And I already have plans to share it with family and friends, lend it to people. So definitely falls into the category of buy. That is the poison that Howl's Moving Castle is earned for itself. So, Spoiler wall is ending, meaning if you have not seen this film, you're wanting to avoid spoilers, pause the episode, go watch the film, and then come back, because there's a lot of other exciting things to talk about. If you have seen the film, let's continue. But again, if you are a new listener, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you giving a second episode a chance. Um, Appreciate it if you could subscribe and keep listening. On to the spoilers with the very next segment, Binge Points. So this is Easter eggs, details, unconsequential things we just noticed we i gotta get out of that and saying that i noticed about the film now little side note if you are a new listener the reason i keep saying we is because these intros for each segment is ingrained in my head as a we the the show used to be three of us and now it's just one which is fun but so if i say we that's why anyway binge points so easter eggs details just just fun details i noticed and let me say this movie is funny like really fun like like not like a Wow, I'm, I'm struggling with my words. Not like a comedy, you know, just kind of ridiculous funny, but just like a, a lighthearted, uplifting funny. Um, you laugh. You enjoy it. There's, It's sassy. It's witty. It's just a lot of fun, especially Grandma Sophie. She's hilarious. She's, she's my idol. I want to be like her when I'm old. All right. Even now, she's, she's so funny. She's so genuine, so strong-willed and just she's just grandma sophie and it's awesome she's old and she's not going to put up with any of your crap and it's awesome she doesn't have time to waste with the formalities and she's just funny like the things she said i don't know if they were intended to be funny but it made me laugh so hard just two that i wrote down there's a bunch but two specifically that i wrote down in my notes as i watched in the film is when she's outside trying to get on the castle and the wind's blowing she's like oh why do you get so cold when you're old i'm fatter than ever and the wind goes right through me (laughs) It's just it's funny the dynamics of an 18 year old girl suddenly being 90 physically and, and you know when she's cleaning house castle she's like you bugs better run before i bite your head off <laughs> it's just funny this spunk and sassiness that this old lady has um and how the character develops out of that is just a lot of fun uh other really great things is i love the symbolism um in house castle uh we'll get a little bit into this more and fall in but i, I just love how Physically, the castle represents so much of how how he's a magnificent and and unique and powerful 
thing, an individual, but completely and totally disorganized and just like a mess of baggage and garbage that honestly is going to fall apart at any moment. Um, but there's a, there's a stronger force in the castle that's driving it forward, just like how. And I, I thought that was incredibly great visual storytelling. Um, speaking of storytelling, I wrote this phrase. I'm sure maybe someone else already said it, but to me, it was like, it's like an epiphany. There's a big difference between telling a story about a world and using that world to tell a story and the, and the two differences. Um, similar thing with Spirited Away that was really unique to me because so much of the films we see, especially in kind of like this franchise sequel focused world, so much of it is, is focused on building a world, the lore, the rules of the, the world and what's happening. And, and you get a story about the world where in this, it's focused on an individual. It's, it's, it's focused on people living in this specific world that happens to be a fantastical one through stories. You know, I, similar thing to what I'm talking about. It's just really powerful story living. It's a higher level that I'm not used to seeing all the time. I talk about it all the time in the Mandalorian episodes. It's a universe specifically with the Mandalorian, a universe that we're familiar with, that we know the rules. We're not interested in all those things. We, it's just individuals experiencing life that happen to be in this world that we know. Now, I don't know all the formalities and the rules and the, and the lore of the world of Howl's Moving Castle, but I, I don't need to because I understand enough and I understand that there's magic and whatever. And, and there's little Easter eggs here and there that are fun, but it's a story about these individuals existing in a world just like us. It's, it's very, very real a lot harder to do, but it's phenomenal. Similar to like the Harry Potter movers. I think movers, movies. I think it's either the third or the fourth one. I want to say it's the third, the prisoner of Azkaban. I think where like all the rules of magic and what magic is and how it functions are kind of laid out in the first two films. And then the third, we just get people living in that world. Like I think they walk into like a, a shop or a bar or something. I don't remember what it is. And there's a guy sitting there stirring a cup with magic as he's like he's reading a book or a newspaper or something like you you're just experiencing individuals living in this world and it's really great storytelling um really a higher level of storytelling that is a lot more impactful which i just love and i think that kind of spirited away surprised me with that i don't know why i didn't expect more from me i mean princess mononoke and nausicaa are both like that both films i experienced before Spirit Away, but for whatever reason, like Spirit Away, like my mind just couldn't understand. It's like, well, why is it this way? Instead of just how is this way impacting um, the individual in the story. And so this time I was a lot more ready, a lot more prepared for it. And it, it made it really enjoyable. Some other things that I want to talk about is there's a lot of changes that Miyazaki made to and, and from the book and, and the author, um, what is her name again? The author, Diane Jones. Diane Jones, she really enjoys the film in some interviews. She does talk about how it's different, but she does enjoy it. Anyway, so the difference is one of the biggest ones that I actually kind of enjoy for the story we get in the film is how Howl is changed from, in the book, he's kind of a womanizer. He's, he, that's why he leaves. He goes out to, you know, play the field, so to speak. <laughs> in the film, he's leaving for a much more interesting and selfless cause, which we don't totally understand, but we also see him later leaving to protect those he loves or to stop the war or to 
involve himself in no, that was the wrong phrase. It to defend what he cares about from that destruction, um, and also before that, it, it's interesting how he's more uh, inward in the way he goes and kind of explores his subconscious more than being a womanizer. Interesting change that m- makes for a different story, uh, and that was definitely intended. It's interesting how selfishness is kind of a topic. I'll get more into this in Fallen, but I just want to point out now that Hal is selfish in the way he hides and kind of runs away, but his views and and ideas about what's happening in the world are quite selfless and actually quite wise. We're introduced to the character of Hal, which is with Christian Bale's voice, is just an amazing introduction to the character. But anyway, we're introduced to him saving Sophie from Brood and intrusive, manipulative soldiers who are kind of, you know, when she clearly isn't wanting it. They're they're not being decent human beings. Hal saves her from that. Like, that's how we're introduced. That's not very selfish. Um, and then he just disappears. You know, he leaves her on her own. He just involved himself in that situation and, and really helped her out. Uh, contrary to that, the Wicked Witch of the Waste is quite selfish and comes to Sophie out of jealousy and almost to like spite her because Sophie doesn't just like bow down to her. She curses her. Um, so yeah, selfishness does turn you into a monster. We'll get to that in a second, but I just didn't really feel that how was as selfish as maybe it was, we were told he was anyway, something else. Another big point that I want to point out, if you were confused like me, why how would eat the star when he eats calcifer and his heart comes out and when, when Sophie goes into the door and she sees that happen in the past. I was so confused. Um, and so I thought about it for a long time after the film ended. And I believe is, which is actually kind of really great storytelling that I should have gone on sooner. The stars were dying. We see all the stars around them kind of running and then, and then dying. And so I think that there was a little bit of an, an agreement and a negotiation or maybe even a contract that Calcifer and Hal made, allowing Calcifer to live and allowing how to gain some power or, or additional power, which is, it was really interesting. And I, I think it's even more interesting that it's not really laid out. Like I said earlier, you know, the, the dynamics of this magic is not the story the the individuals and the experiences they're having in their life because of the magic happening around them is what the story is. And it's just a phenomenal storytelling, um, but did really confuse me for that part. So if you were like me, there you go. I think it's because the stars were dying. The other thing here is I want to talk about, this is why I love owning Blu-rays. You get access to so many great special features and things to dig into that I love. Great, makes for great bench point content. Uh, in, side note, speaking of special features that I've been digging into, I recently watched 1917 and dug into the special features of that, the special features of Blade Runner 2049. And it just like really elevates my appreciation for a film, the, the work that people put into it. I, I don't know, it's just cool. And I wish that after I watch a movie, I'd watch the special features for all of them. Like, I wish I would, I don't know, like I knew that, but why didn't I act on it? Anyway, anyway, special features are awesome. That's why I'm a fan of Blu-rays. One of the many reasons. More on that in the coming episode. Anyway, let's get on to binge points and some of the other things I learned from watching these special features, specifically the cast. And more specifically, the English cast. That's the film, the version that I watched, the, the English dubbed version now on the note of dub versus sub i don't have anything new to add to this conversation besides it's this pointless conversation and you should just watch the films they're 
beautiful pieces of art and enjoy them however you comfortably enjoy them. There isn't a wrong way to enjoy them. Both of them are artists putting in work and in all the facets from the voice actors to the directors to the screenwriters in both English and Japanese putting in a really great work to bring the story to you accessibly. And Miyazaki obviously wouldn't allow Disney and Pixar to do the work they did for the English translation if he didn't agree in in the access that it gives. Um, And I think it's amazing. Anyway, I've always loved the English dubs that these films have had, especially Princess Mononoke and Nausicaa. Those two I was really, really impressed with. And a lot of it came after the... The... the, What's the word I'm searching for? The kind of like explosive awareness that Miyazaki and his films had after Spirited Away, probably with the Oscar as well. That that helped. Um, but he really gained a lot of like street cred in Hollywood and these actors wanted to work with him. And Christian Bale specifically, who is Hal and is the most perfect casting for any voice acting in any film I've ever seen. He was so impressed when he saw Spirited Away that he picked up his phone and called Disney, I assume it was Disney, and said, hey, I want a role in any of these Miyazaki films that you're doing, like any any role. He wasn't expecting something huge, and then he got the role of Hal, and it was just perfect. Seriously, I think it's my favorite voice acting role in any animated film ever. There's even like a bat growl in there. I don't know. I love Christian Vale. I love his voice and I love the character of Hal and the way that he added like this, this charm for lack of better words, the way he added this charm and charisma to Hal was just awesome. And I I mentioned when he's introduced and it's in the animated, in in the film his feet show up and we hear his silky smooth voice. And it, it was just a great introduction. I love that. But close second would be Billy Crystal. If you don't know who he is, I love and know him as Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. or Miracle Max from The Princess Bride. He's hilarious. He's awesome. And he's Calcifer. You probably already knew that if you know anything about this film. And he makes Calcifer so much fun and actually quite hilarious. His voice is just great. It, it adds so much humor to everything. Um, one other binge point that I want to add, it probably falls better into Fall In, but it's not really connected to what I'm talking about there. It's just a quote from the movie that I just want to throw out. When Hal receives his heart back, he wakes up and he's like, oh, there's this weight in my chest. And Sophie re- replies and says, a heart is a heavy burden to carry. And I just thought that was a beautiful line. It doesn't really connect to the themes that I associated with the film. It actually kind of like left field, like, whoa, like that was really quite nice. Uh, I just want to point it out because I thought it was great. So those are the end of the binge points. Let's move on to least and likes. So least and likes, this is least favorite scene, favorite scene, and why. My least favorite scene is when Madame Solomon, I think that's how you say her name, is trying to show Sophie Hal's true form, and they're like up in the sky, and there's magic and falling stars. And I was just kind of confused. And then he turns, Hal is becoming more and more a bird. And I was confused because I never felt like that was his true form. He goes out as a bird. We see him to oppose the war, to defend his, fa- his family, as he calls him, and to explore his self-conscious. He's not a, an, an indulgent person in this bird. Like, that's not who he truly was. And I just, I just thought it was weird. It really confused me. Um, not that there was any... I, I don't know. It's just really... It was weird to me. Uh, I felt like it was kind of like a, a loose 
piece that kind of throws off everything else a little bit. Uh, he's not a monster. He's just a little bit insecure and selfish. And the reason why he turns into that, I don't understand how that's revealing his true form. Anyway, on to the like, because I have more to say about that. I love the ending of this film from the moment that, from the moment I just described where his true form is revealed. Actually, I'm going to take a step back. From a moment that Sophie and the Wicked Witch start, no, no, go back even more. From the moment Selfie goes to town to see Madame Solomon and the king for Howl and the Wicked Witch of the Waste is there and the scene where they go up the stairs, it's just excellent from that point on. I loved it. Um, but specifically ending, it's just so happy and heartwarming and I, I would just, I just, everybody's in love and everybody's so nice to each other and everybody's so caring about one another. They give so much to one another. It's just, it was just a light in the darkness of the world right now, and it was so uplifting, and I loved it. Also, Sophie looks amazing with short hair, just like Rapunzel and Tangled, okay? I'm going to ride that train forever, and I'm going to defend it. Rapunzel looks great with short hair at the end of Tangled, and Sophie looks great with short hair at the end of Howl's Moving Castle. That's just what I have to say. Moving on to Fall In. Uh, so Fall In, well, that is here at the Basement Binges, where I dive into the themes and meanings of the film that I was able to pull out and, and why I think it's impactful, why I think it's important, why I think it has value. You know, as we binge through so many forms of content, especially movies in, in my situation, why are these these pop culture phenomenals, phenomenons worth remembering? Why do they stick with me? Why do I care about them so deeply? Um, and, you know, I mentioned that this film wasn't one that really resonated with me, but I really appreciate what it has to say, that it there's truth and, and incredible value in it. And I think it's really interesting that Hao Miyazaki, who at the time of making this film was 63 and now is 79, understands the journey of confidence and self-accepting that so many teenage girls go through so well. And not just, not just exclusive to teenage girls, but that's what the story happens to be about, but just teenagers in general and adults. I don't know. He, he, he writes so many of his films for girls teenage girls little girls like we did with spirited away and how does a 79 year old man understand this so well and make such moving stories out of it i don't get it but i appreciate it he's amazing he's so talented so let's get into the actual fall in here so this is a story about sophie learning to love herself the author of the book diane jones said it best in an interview that's on the blu-ray as a, as a special feature about the film and kind of her response and, and how she enjoyed it and things like that but at the end of it she said something amazing about how both the book and the film are a story about something amazing. And, and to quote what she said, if you love someone enough, all sorts of extraordinary other things happen in your surroundings as well. And you can achieve great things even if that world falls to pieces around you. And a little while later, she added, it isn't just two young people being in love. But if you love someone enough, all sorts of sensational things happening, sort of its own kind of wizardry. I thought that was just a wonderful description of what this story is and why it's so touching. Um, Sophie, to start at the beginning, Sophie really sees herself um, as an old lady. She sees herself as quite plain and old. She refers to herself as oldest frequently as not pretty. She can't even believe that she would fall prey to the myths of how because she's not pretty enough. Um, she dresses plain as just all work and no play. And it's kind of understanding because you see her mother and her sisters who are kind of blonde and, and, and bubbly 
and fun and they're getting all the attention and everybody knows their name and, and nobody acknowledges Sophie. Um, and she's kind of just like sinks into that world she created for herself. So this horrible curse comes upon her because of the wicked wishes of the waste jealousy. And she suddenly becomes a 90 year old lady, which is kind of funny, but she instantly fits right into the characteristics um, that I described earlier. And it's not because her mind matures 80 years or 70 years or whatever it is, but, but her body and her mindset is as if she is already there. So she just falls into this, this characterization so easily. Um, but she maintains her strong will. That is something she, she does have. She's, she's not giving up. Um, and that strong will does have an impact on people throughout the film. Anyway, so she, because of this curse, she goes to Howl's Castle to undo it. But in the difficulty of not being able to talk about the curse and also probably being extremely intimidated and maybe even a little bit scared of how she just kind of starts to clean. She uses her capacities, what she thinks she is capable of doing, um, and begins to spend time with Hal and his family. Um, and she sees and experiences the impact that her care and love and gifts have on other people. And I will say that it's serving, loving, giving to other people is a powerful way to see the impact you can have on others and to gain confidence in yourself. Doing good for other people is a wonderful way to love yourself. You know, you, you really find yourself as you, you lose yourself for other people. And of course, this is, a, this is a love story. It's a wonderful love story between Hal and Sophie. But it isn't just like a damsel in distress. Sophie just, she has, she's cursed and she goes to Hal because he's just, he's the most beautiful man in the entire valley and everyone wants him and everyone's pursuing him and she's just so lucky that he saves him. Like, it's not cheesy like, like that. It's, it's not, it's not uh, limiting in the capacities and abilities that Sophie has. She has to love herself before she's ready to really grow into that opportunity that the relationship she has with Hal provides. And it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, you see throughout the film how Sophie really becomes physically more of her true self as she allows that love for Hal, that love for others and as she's true to herself comes out, more of her true self physically is revealed. And as the film goes on, she's, there's moments where she's younger. There's moments where she's older. But especially this nine-year-old woman starts to move like a young woman um, as that love for others, that opportunity to give to others helps her appreciate her worth more and more. You know, serving... And then it even goes around to to Hal, where he is his given so much love and, and is finally able to accept that both of them actually allows Hal and Sophie to form a bond. It isn't just like snap your fingers romance. They're together. It's, it's two hurt and broken down and insecure individuals being uplifted by one another. There's a quote that I tell them my wife all the time that I love. She's a wonderful example of. I'm probably going to butcher it because I always do, but it's something along the lines of you lift me and I'll lift thee and we'll both ascend together or something like that. I actually think I got a perfect that time. Wow, that was great. Anyway, so the idea that, that both of us in any relationship, as we give to one another, you know, in, in whatever form our needs demand, we're going to grow together. Um, and it, it's Wonderful to see the relationship that Sophie and Hal form that way. He loves her despite her physical 
curse. Um, and it isn't an, like an overabundance of compliments and praise of her physical beauty that helps her overcome her self-confidence issues. The, 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 he, if I remember right, he compliments her once and it, she like is, goes back to being an old lady from her younger self because it's just interesting how it's not like this, these fake surface level things that help either one of them overcome their insecurities and infirmities and weaknesses. It's, it's deep commitment and, and service and, and love for other people and care. It's re- really, really retouching. And I love that. So um, it's, it's just a love for other people that it creates this extraordinary journey. Now it's not just love that Sophie has for Hal. She has love for Calcifer. She has love for uh, Turniphead. She has love for the Wicked Witch of the West for, oh, what's his name? The boy that's played by Josh Hutcherson, not Michael. That's his name in the book. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Markle. Markle, that's his name. She, she loves these people, and in return, they love her, and it helps all of them accept themselves, and it's just, just wonderful. Um, you know, even to the point where Sophie has the power to go into Hal's subconscious and reconnect him with his self, help him accept himself, help him accept his journey, help him accept his path, um, and then physically returns his heart to his body. That's amazing. So Sophie just has a touch on people. And I like that it never just like addresses that she has magical powers, that she's not a witch. Um, but I think she does have her own little magic. And there's a lot of scenes that really show this. One is when she starts cooking breakfast on top of Calcifer, which is a funny scene. I love that moment. Um, but Hal comes in and, and amused, says, Calcifer, you're being so obedient. And Calcifer replies by saying, not on purpose. She bullied me. And Hal replies by saying, not just anybody can do that. And no, Sophie didn't bully him. But she was a strong-willed person. And, and she helped both Calcifer and Markle kind of accept the roles of, and their responsibilities, but also themselves. Um, another moment is the instant connection she has with Turniphead, uh, which is funny. I, I, th- I think it's so funny that his name's Turniphead. But that relationship, she pulls him out of a butch and he immediately comes back to life. She gives life to this this scarecrow, this cursed being, and he has an immediate connection to her um, and never leaves and becomes a part of that family. Then later, the compassion that Sophie shows to the Wicked Witch of the Waste when she becomes this like shriveled up old lady that is just like the funniest animation I've ever seen. Her nose is like sagging like Squidward. And it's wrinkly. It's so funny. And she's like crazy. Like how many times she's like, oh, what a beautiful fire. Oh, it's funny. Anyway, Sophie so instantly shows her compassion despite all that happened to Sophie because of this wicked lady. She just, she just loves her. Later, same thing. She has so much compassion for her. When she's trying to get Hal's heart from her, she doesn't resort to violence or like trying to rip the heart out. She gives her a hug and says, please. Like that's, that's such, that's something you teach a child. But we don't, I, I shouldn't say, well, I'm going to say we, including me. I, we don't do that as good as we should. We don't show that compassion, that love that, the way that Sophie does. And it, it's, it's impactful on the world. Um, the other thing, at the end, Sophie is able to speak and wish upon Hal's heart and Calcifer to return to Hal and save him while also keeping Calcifer alive. She's got a magical touch, a magical life that she gives to people because of what she gives. Um, 
you know, and, and that's something that's it's sometimes interesting is that these these insecure people who aren't able to love themselves are so able and sometimes too much to give to other people. And that and that's a powerful thing to be able to give to other people, but you have to find a balance of where you also give to yourself. Um, but also not too much. You know, the wicked wish of the waste is is a good example of how she was always giving to herself selfishly. There's even a line in the movie where it says, if you become so selfish, you'll become a monster or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. So there, there's a fine line, um, but it, it's clear to be able to do that. There's, there's a difference between, self, between negative self-sacrifice and service, loving, caring service. There's a big difference between that. Um, it, it's just a touching story, you know? And although I don't 100% totally resonate with learning to accept myself as a, as a teenage girl and accepting my, more than just accepting your beauty, but accepting your worth, but it is at the same time something I do relate to. My brother and I and my wife and I, we've been having lots of conversations about the importance and the power of learning to accept yourself and how there's so many things that are improved, so many more relationships that are more loving and more powerful when you can love and accept yourself and how not loving or accepting yourself makes so many other challenges so much harder. Um, you know, that, that moment when Hal literally has a breakdown and like, well, not a break, literally has a meltdown. <laughs> and uh, because his hair is the wrong color. You know, we've all been there, but having someone love you for who you are, not just your appearance, you know, you, you really have to learn to accept yourself at some point. So it's, it's just a fantastical, beautiful story that I'll enjoy. And I know I'll love it forever. Um, I'm excited to, to kind of share it with my family members as well. Now, although I don't totally have a strong connection to the themes or the stories or no, I shouldn't say the story, the themes and kind of the message here, I do have a strong connection to the story. And, and again, the author Diana Jones said it best in the same interview. She said, it is meant to be enjoyed. I want everyone to enjoy it and laugh and rejoice about it because it's just a wonderful thing. You know, it is, it's a lot of fun. It's a fantastical world. And it's a wonderful film that's beautifully animated with wonderful music and hardworking people that created this realistic and and lively sound design and actors who put in incredible work to to create characters that are just so lovable and enjoyable. And it's a fun story that I really laugh through. And I, I know it it's a Miyazaki film that's that's has a small barrier to entry, so to speak. You know, it's easy to just turn on and, and love and and enjoy and be uplifted by a fun, heartwarming love story, you know? I have a friend that on Letterboxd, he's always reviewing these romantic comedies. And I commented back, I was like, you know, you're just a big soft. And he's like, you know, honestly, you're right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's something that's heartwarming about seeing these, these softy, to use the same word, touching stories. And this is a really great one. And it's, it's combined with the love and, and an artistic touch of Howie Miyazaki. And it's beautiful animation. And I love the voice acting. Christian Bale, man, he, he took my heart away in this tell you that. So <laughs> that's the end of the basement binge. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you are new here, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving another episode a chance. If this was not, this is like your second or third episode. Thank you. If this is your 80th or 50th, I, I mean, thank you. I appreciate you all. If this is your first, subscribe. There's more coming. Even if this isn't your first and you're not subscribed, you should subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because there's a lot more coming. Like I mentioned, I recently reached 50 episodes. Now, if you look on, it says that we have like 86 because there's a lot that like we're posted doubles as spoiler walls and, and rankings and things like that in the Mandalorian episodes. 
but like full episodes that I, I'm counting, 50 episodes. And that was Spirited Away. So this is 51 because the Mandalorian episodes are mini episodes. And so to celebrate reaching 50 episodes, which is a big deal, I wanted to rank my entire Blu-ray collection. It's been a lot of work. Um, and there were some films, this one included, that I wanted to watch before releasing that ranking. So now that this is out of the way, that ranking is going to be episode 52. The next one. There's going to be a Mandalorian episode in there somewhere because that's a mini episode, like I said. But it's coming. It's it's really hard, but it's a lot of fun. And it's interesting to to try and decide between like objective and subjective ranking. And ranking's a horrible thing, but it's a lot of fun. Um but comparing can kind of ruin my appreciation of things. So I'm trying to not do that this time. Anyway, that, that's coming. That's a lot of fun. More Mando minis are coming. Uh, I mentioned in the last update episode, the monthly update, that Matt and I have been, from Matt Goes to the Movies, we've been trying to get together for so long to record an episode, and it's happening tomorrow. We're recording an episode about a film that I've never seen. It's really going to be interesting. Uh, but that episode is coming a few weeks later. So anyway, there's a lot of exciting things coming. Another November, December update that's coming at the end of the month. It's with an exciting announcement. I'm rambling. I always ramble at the end. I guess that's just a tradition now. But now I got now I got to live up to that if I said it as a tradition. But it just happens. It's a natural flow. Anyway, I'm doing it again. There's more coming. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate Miyazaki creating this film. And I appreciate you guys enjoying it with me. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, email, social media is all linked in the description. Let me know what you thought about the film and the podcast. Let, leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge or get in contact with me on the social links listed in the description. Anyway, that's all for now. My name is Harrison. Ciao, ciao. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.